Reverend Roberts rested both of his elbows on the long wooden desk in front of him. His tanned hands were clasped together one over the other, and he rubbed them as he spoke. A small silver chain dangled from his left wrist and peeked out of the wide cuff of his purple and gold robes. He didn't so much look at me, but somewhere vaguely over my left ear. My grandfather was a minister at the church before him, a beloved and gifted speaker who had traveled the world. He conveyed a big-picture version of God that still managed to connect to the issues discussed around the dining room tables, and he did so with poetry, grace, and good humor. He no doubt found Brother Roberts in his dull, straightforward recitations of the Bible to be rather uninspired. In my experience, Roberts began, reveling in the length of each individual vowel, it's best for the relatives of the recently passed on not to say anything as part of the proceedings. They are often overwhelmed and become a distraction. Distraction? Like a knife set ablaze in the fires of Sinai, those words cut right through me. My eyes burned a hole through his thick white hair as I imagined all sorts of unsavory endings to his life on earth. A satisfied kind of look on his face, he settled his focus downward and shuffled some papers on his desk. Words escaped me in that moment as he rose to usher us out. I had wanted to say something to honor my mother at her funeral, but that now was not going to happen. In all honesty, I was also not used to being told no when it came to having me perform. Who wouldn't want a little heartfelt but emotionally honest comedy at that moment? I had almost trained my whole life for this. I've never forgotten that Sunday morning in that study or the words Reverend Roberts spoke to me. I haven't really forgiven him either. Maybe I should don my special turtleneck of forgiveness and send him a prayer from my blessings wheel. Or maybe I might slip another pin into the little Reverend Robert's effigy I keep under my sleep hammock. Either way, I haven't been back to the church since. But I find the light in other places, for my calling is of a different kind. It's to travel with you through this, the deep night. Hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, your host and guide through this next hour of regrets and revelations that we call the Deep Night. I'm so pleased to be with you. And we come to you tonight, as we have since time began, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. We're continuing our work, connecting the inspiring creative output of this moment, in spite of everything, with the strange tendrils of America's past, finding the individuals out there who were bending culture ever so slightly by not ignoring what came before, but pushing that forward, expanding definitions, remixing our experiences, and hopefully doing so in a way that does bring a little more light into this realm. I recently went to the Hayden Planetarium here in New York with Kid Pepsi, and we watched the movie about dark matter in the big dome there. And while it made me a little queasy, and more than one person fell asleep, I get it, it's dark and quiet in New York. It's so rare that you find that. You get it when you can. But the point is, uh, and the point that they brought up, was that everything we see is rushing away from us. And everything in other galaxies, it looks like things are rushing away from them too. Long stretched out lines of red-shifted energy tell us so. And it made me think that I have felt that way for as long as I can remember. People leaving, time going forward, never being able to catch things before it's too late. I've missed things that haven't left yet, but whose absence was certain. You see, I was a sad kid 
who always had to sit for a spell with a school guidance counselor to try and explain my grief, uh, that was constant and in some ways unknowable. So how rare is it, and important is it, to have something like music? It too races away as soon as the first note gives way to the next, but one experiences it and can hold on to it. We are changed by it, and we carry it with us, even using our own voice to replicate it. And if one can pull that music out of the ether of the universe and somehow render it in a form that can be shared, well, that is to be celebrated. That is a kind of church. That is a spiritual practice of a sort. It's why Johnny Cash can bring a tear to the eye when singing about Sunday morning coming down, or Bobby Gentry can ease up alongside you and make you feel all sorts of ways. And one of those ways is, what did she toss off the bridge? I still don't know what's happening in that song. My point is, I like country music. I might not be able to wear expensive cowboy boots. I'm more of a Cole Haan guy. But I respond to any music that is raw, speaks to the human condition, and yes, suggests a belief in a higher power. Now this brings us to my guest today, Paul Cawthon. Paul is the absolute real-deal country star, and part of his strength, as you'll hear in this interview, is that he doesn't just draw from the dusty plains of North Texas, but has a much wider scope of influences. This is the great benefit of the modern era, to have access to so much that has come before and put it together in new ways. Now, his album, Room 41, it's a solid album. You go and get it, and you'll see that it stands up. It was born out of an intense and wild time in Paul's life, and the result is a miraculous bit of business. I know all about trying to make something out of the hardest time in your life, and look, it doesn't succeed every time. But this one, with Paul, Paul does it. We sat in a warm room not long ago while he was in New York City, and I could not have been happier to get to know him. A perfect guest for the deep night. Let's go now to my conversation with Paul Cawthon. Paul Cawthon, Big Velvet, how are you? Feeling good, you know, <laughs> just trying to make it through, my friend. How Absolutely. Are you? Well, welcome to the New York. I'm, do- well, I'm doing fine. Welcome to New York. Welcome to the Deep Night. You're in town for a couple of days. Is yes. that it? Yes, sir. And uh, what are you, playing some gigs? Uh, I'm just doing a lot of press and playing the so far sessions tonight. Uh-huh. So that's about the only show. I played Freehold yesterday and um, just been hanging out with some friends. It's like everybody that I know is in New York and I'm like, why <laughs> I'm supposed to get work done? This is not, it's not good for us <laughs> or my little, liver. <laughs> makes it a little tough. Now, I hesitate to ask, but are you staying in a hotel while you're here? Yes, I am. Is there, is there any temptation that you might stay for two years and do an album? Um, not this go round. Okay, all right, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> because I bring that up because the name of the la- of the new album, uh, Room Forty One. Incidentally, that sounds like a low floor. Oh yeah, man. That is uh, Room Forty One was a terrace suite there in Dallas, <laughs> okay. and it was wilder than uh, I can imagine. I mean, very blurry, and finally got through it. <laughs> all right, well, we're we're going to talk about that. Uh, but uh, this is where you kind of finish this album. Was a lot of actually at that hotel. Yes, sir. We yes. Uh, completed all the songs and really uh, just honed it all in. Yeah. So, well, it's, and the album is fantastic. Thank you so uh, much. I really have enjoyed listening to it and getting to know it. Um, uh, it was a nice place. Oh yeah, yeah. beautiful place, <laughs> Belmont Hotel. Dallas, Texas. Dallas, yeah. Texas. Uh, I stay in a lot of hotels. Uh, one thing I'd like to see less of the the rain shower head. Uh, yeah. Less? Less of that. I don't care for it. I like your traditional, uh, you know, on an angle. Okay. I get that. Um, yeah, you can't dodge it. 
No, no. You no, know, if it's a rain, when you're just, <laughs> you're no in matter it. what, you're in it. That's you know? right. You're having a hot rain, and that's all you have. Now, with a voice like yours and a presence so large, as you said, you you got to be from Texas. Yes, sir. You have no choice but at that point, right? Yeah, you can't rub that off your spirit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well said. And that's where you live now, Dallas. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, 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 and has your family been there for many, many years? Yeah, we're fifth, sixth generation Texans. Boy. Um, on my mom's side and, you know, dad's side's same. But they great-great-grandparents were like Montgomery, Alabama and uh, Augusta, Georgia. Yep. And uh, by way of uh, London and Scotland and Sure. So yes, I think we we share a similar path. Yeah. <laughs> Montgomery's an intense place. Yes, it yes, is. My, I was there uh, recently. My granddad went to school with Hank Williams there. Hey now, and uh, he remembers him at eight years old being a shoe shine. <laughs> yeah, you know, on the streets. <laughs> on that's the streets how, of that's Montgomery, how Hank Williams was making money. <laughs> was he singing even then? I bet he was whistling or singing or doing <laughs> something. My granddad didn't ever really speak of that, but yeah, he was working at a young age. Yeah, and is a big family. Big family, man. Yep. We uh, we've got you know, I've got a bunch of cousins, and we've got my uncle, and I've got my aunt on my mom's side, and their kids, and we just we have a big old family. It's it's nice. A lot of girls though. I was the only boy. Really? Yeah. So That's a lot it. of my cousins are all girls. My two sisters, and then I was the only boy. So. That's a lot of pressure for you. Yeah, you know, you got to. I guess uh, keep the tradition alive. Maybe have a baby. But <laughs> 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 no time soon. We got okay. Plenty of time okay. <laughs> so somebody's going to pick up on that message, and then uh, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're going to be Just in a let tough me know. spot. We'll do a Paul Cawthon sperm bank. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's a nice segue into this, in the fact that uh, <laughs> we we share something in common in that um, my grandfather was a minister. Oh, yeah. And I understand your grandfather was also? He was a you know, fifth-generation minister. Man, that's it. They were Church of Christ, you know, yeah. Bible-beaten, and yeah. they would just do it. You There's know? some brimstone in there. Lots of fire and brimstone in there. <laughs> yeah. They scare, you know, scare the church into you, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> See, my grandfather was riding a horseback through the uh, wilds of uh, Canada, preaching the good word. All right. Snagged his eye on a stick, and he always had a lazy eye after that. Well. Didn't stop him. Didn't stop him from preaching. Still right. powerful preaching. Still powerful, for sure. <laughs> right. I think you might listen to somebody with a lazy eye behind the pulpit more than somebody had straight eyes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, okay, we need to listen to this guy. I tell you, he's taking it all in, isn't he? Taking it all in from all angles. <laughs> That's right. The peripheral pastor. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, one of the things I appreciated as I got to know your music, uh, your voice just has this sort of uh, primal, ancient, like erupting out of the ground like lava kind of a sound to it, <laughs> while also remaining uh, intimate and contemporary, very of the moment. Yeah. There's an urgency to it. For sure. I uh, just try to stick to my roots, you know, my upbringing and what uh, kind of music I like, you know, I've, I love funk, I love blues, I love old western swing, I just, I've always been a fan of opera, and yeah. uh, always been a fan of, you know, theater and uh, live performance, and I'm just a lover of the arts, and I try to just keep it, keep all those cool things that I've heard in my life intertwined within what I'm trying to do, Yeah, and not be scared to go 
in any direction at any moment. Sure. Don't pigeonhole yourself into one genre. That's why people are like, we don't know what genre you are. Well, I hope <laughs> it's just Paul Cawthon. That's my genre. That's what I'm doing, you know. I kind of look at my approach to music is like David Bowie's approach. Mm-hmm. You never know what's going to come next. Right. You know, this whole big velvet persona and this thing that's been erupting is kind of like my small Ziggy Stardust, <laughs> you know. But uh, I just, uh, I love Dr. Dre. I love hip-hop. Sure. I like low-end 808s and a lot of, I like the technology of uh, sampling and, drum beats and I, i'm not scared to do anything yeah. you know so i don't think in this day and age you have to just stick to one thing the only way you can be different is to be different right <laughs> you know right. it's you don't just follow a, a lead anymore it's not not unlike that peripheral preaching i mean yeah. you're bringing it all in for sure and uh, putting it back out there exactly um and that prompts a couple of questions for me one who turned you on to opera uh, my grandmother. Yeah, you listening know, I to saw this Fiddler on the Roof when I was a kid, and I okay. thought Tevia in the part was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. It's, I was just good. blown away. It's good, and yeah. just changed my life. And uh, Fiddler on the Roof, especially, is <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. Right. Like, oh my god! And uh, popular down there in Dallas. I yeah, imagine. <laughs> popular for sure. Um, I loved, uh, you know, My Fair Lady. You know, I watched, I watched that live, and then Hello Dolly, and my grandmother just took me to all this theater. You know, Hello Dolly, the best walking down the staircase scene <laughs> in the history. In the history. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, there was one. That. One How to Succeed in Business was yep. one without was really kid? trying or something. Yeah, without yep. really trying. That was an awesome comedic kind of play on BS in the the uh, work world. Kind of. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, I just uh, was always just, I was exposed correctly for an artist, I guess. My grandmother had a lot to do with it. My grandfather, of course, was in the church and he was singing all the time. He would rewrite his own verses to old hymns and teach it to the church. And, yeah. And like I always saw him writing on this yellow legal pad early morning Sunday before church. And I'd be like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm just writing this new verse, Wings of a Dove. I'm going to teach it to the congregation today. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, you go get it, granddaddy. <laughs> you and don't hear about that kind of improvisation happening. No. Yeah. Like, he uh, he, he put this verse in. He's like, and Jesus went down to the river that, that day. He was baptized by John in a usual way. But when it was done, God sent his son and sent his love on the wings of a dove. Well, <laughs> so I, mean, okay. I remember him writing that and it yeah. just kind of stuck, stuck to me about just trying to tell it like you're talking it. Yeah. Like a song is supposed to, uh, lyrically, it's just supposed to deliver. It's yes. got to deliver. It's like a sentence. I mean, you got to make sense, you know? And, uh, I've tried to really always kind of keep that in my mind when I'm writing a song and, you know, I learned it then, you know? He's the type of guy in the Church of Christ you can't have, you know, instruments. You're going to hell if you play an instrument. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, all a cappella. Well. No microphones, no electronics, just you and the Lord and the church. Yes. That's why the acoustics of a Church of Christ sh- church is like you can snap and it's just like pop, like a reverb uh-huh. because they, you couldn't sing as a minister or lead singing and be heard. My granddad had this bigger voice than me. Um, big time, and he would lead the church of five hundred every Sunday. Yeah, singing. 
That's to me. Well, I guess you figure out who the good singers are pretty quick. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, he would set me, like, when my granddad died, my mom, my grandmother said, all right, well, you're sitting next to Al Fuller every Sunday. And I said, what? Al Fuller sings the best bass. And if you can sing bass, you can sing anything. Grandma, I'm 11. And, uh... <laughs> I would like to go through puberty and maybe be able to sing bass, you know. And she's like, "No, we'll learn it." She said, "Sing the octave." Now, you need to tighten that. Should we tighten that? Are you oh, okay? I'm good. I'm okay. just kind of right. resting my hand here. Uh, all right, as long as you got a good balance. It's like <laughs> keeping it's keeping me standing, sitting up. <laughs> well, that brings me uh, to a, another question, which is because you know I have a relatively low voice. Yeah. yeah. So I wondered when yours your voice changed. It was you know twelve, thirteen. Started getting. <laughs> It just started dropping drastically. Right. It was like the frog in the room. People <laughs> right. were like, what the heck? <laughs> like when I came to school, you know, middle school, people were just like, boy, your voice is cracky and changing. Yeah. You know? And it, it's it, like, hey. Like, oh, <laughs> hey. like, what is this? It's annoying for a couple of years. You know? Uh, you think about all those child singers like Billy Gilman and all these people that had these high voices and, yeah. then, and they made tons of money being this high voice and then they go through puberty and it's like, oh, right, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> Career ending. Career for ending For some of those time. little fellas. I know. <laughs> I remember we'd go to a lot of the old car shows and things and then the old time you go to those, you got to listen to 50s music. Oh, so yeah. I'd be in the back singing the bass line. And then people would be like, where's that coming from? Yeah. And I was just a young lad like you're talking oh, about. It's, it's a cool thing. You know, you got to just embrace it. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, well, then you get cast as the dad in all the musicals, too. So then you're right in line for Fiddler on the Roof. Perfect. I would love to play Tevye. <laughs> yeah, nothing like a 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Talking about giving his daughter away or whatever happens there. Oh, yeah. Um, and the ladies, they, they, were, they were excited by the low voice? Oh yeah, you know it was. Uh, it was like, well, you kind of sound like my dad, so that's weird. Yeah, but uh, some prank calls involved. Yeah, some prank. prank calls? Oh yeah, I would ca- actually, <laughs> I would call myself out of class. <laughs> I could get on the phone, the payphone at the school. Yeah, I'd call into my uh, to my counselor and say, "Hello, this is Mark Cawthon, and uh, my son needs to be released for a dental appointment here. Uh, if you could get him out of the next class in fifteen minutes, that'd be great." <laughs> And I'd get a note from the next class. Hey, your dad's going to be here to pick you up. And I'd just bail and go to the woods and go dirt bike riding with my buddies. Skip playing hooky at a young age. Well, that's the perfect use of it, right? It's oh, so yeah. good. you got to use it. That's the thing. And you, you say you talk about singing as a kind of calling, oh, right? Yeah, I mean, if a sure. bird has wings, it's going to fly, right? Oh, yeah. And that's what we're talking about. Uh, I mean, what else were you going to do other than sing? And I felt like, uh, you know, I loved, loved more than anything, golf. Golf? <laughs> golf. I just <laughs> love golf. And I was going to go to try and play, like really get into it and try yeah. to just work on my game. And that was that's a totally different side of my brain that I love to massage. Yep. Because I believe as being an artist and a musician, if you just stick to that, you'll kind of go mad. Yeah. You don't work the other side, you know? Sure, yeah. And like I, I like to read. I like poetry. I like, uh, you know, I love visual art yep. and uh, golf. And golf. <laughs> yeah. So, it's a real all or nothing kind of thing. Well, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. I like uh, hunting and fishing and like being outside. Love to uh, just turn it all off and not think about it for a minute. And that's when you can actually 
you're looking into a river or you catch a fish or you harvest a deer and then you eat the the animal like the full circle of life kind of thing starts happening and then all of a sudden all these lyrics and songs and things start coming to your head i was going to say cuz you make yourself open to that exactly just yeah. open and not knowledgeable like not meaning to look for a song right but uh not i'm going to write as a tony song about joe deer. white told me yes tony, tony joe, joe white. white he him and i were having a conversation and the last time we spoke he said, Paul, uh, why don't you come down to Leapers Fork and we'll catch some songs out of that river. <laughs> you know, Pretty so, good. You know, that's pretty good. That's what it is. It's about just catching fish. Yeah. But all of a sudden, those songs, it'll just start coming. So, right. You right. Know, it was the last thing he said to me before he passed. <laughs> so, and I never got to go up. But, man. He was he was something else, and he's uh, behind the song "Polk Sa- Salad Annie." Oh yeah, he yeah. told me that whole story about how Elvis and came and flew him and his wife out, and they were in Vegas. Yeah, and he's like, Elvis. Wa- Elvis called me and said he wanted Polk, and I was like, I was like, well, what did you what did you do? I mean, obviously we know what he did. He said. Well, that's the king calling. We canceled the tour, and we went out there. We canceled our whole tour, and I went out to Vegas for a week. And he said before the shows every night, it, they would just sit sit in the green room, him and Elvis, and he would uh, teach him some guitar licks. Yeah. Elvis wanted to learn from uh-huh. Tony Joe. And then, of course, he said, then he just made me a ton of money yeah. and then uh said the most money i've ever made he said when elvis calls you just go do it right well, but that, not in dolly parton's case oh what you know there? that song i will always love you yeah um elvis wanted that song and elvis never cut a song that he didn't own the publishing to oh so you yeah. know he yeah. just the colonel was that his manager was like <laughs> yep. nope we're gonna get all the money if you're gonna have the king sing it that's his you know we're gonna pay you x amount and dolly said i just can't give you my song and later in life, Dolly Parton let Whitney Houston cut that song. Yeah. And it made her half of her net worth. Yeah. Yeah. So now, Good on Dolly. Good on Dolly. <laughs> yeah. She turned down the king. <laughs> One of the keenest minds I think yeah. there is out there. Honestly. She's excellent. She is smart. She so stays good. in between the lines. Yeah. She doesn't get too left. She doesn't get too right. She just wants to sing. Yeah. And she keeps her business to her, close to her chest and her heart. And she works hard. And People love her. People love her. You can't buy that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My uh, my good buddy I went and played golf with at Bellmead in Nashville two days ago. Uh, Greg Oswald is his is her uh, agent. It says that she's just the sweetest woman. Will come in and says what 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 about the what about if we did this? You know, <laughs> like just is really still yep proactive in her career. Like yeah. that's all you could dream to do is be able to, you know, just be creative. Yeah, you know that's yeah. crazy to be able to pull something out of the sky and let's actually something can go into full circle and work right right well that the thing with elvis is, is funny to me because i was uh looking it up and watching tony joe white's version of poke salt that Salad. song went number one twice yeah <laughs> so yeah. and he does the whole thing of the intro of like well now you know down oh, down, down home i gotta there's a wild green that grows you know yeah. you have to and then you watch elvis he does it the same get the same intro oh, you gotta explain yeah. what the salad is Oh, word for word he explains it and nails it <laughs> and that band during the 70s in vegas was the hottest elvis band man that was just <laughs> here's what it is i think i like 
70s country, and I'm definitely more fat Elvis than skinny Elvis. Oh, yeah, for sure. Big time. And I After like the leather jacket. When he came yep. back, leather jacket after yep. being in the Army yep. and taking some time doing Hollywood and all that. Yep. From that point on, that's Elvis's fire. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. In my opinion. You know that like, I love all the dancing and all the, you know, uh, Jailhouse Rock and all that stuff. Sure, you got to sure. love it. It's just American classic rock yeah. and roll, but... Then it gets gritty. Then it gets, gets a little gritty, weird. and then yeah. the horn sections. Yeah, like just a big band. It was just bad to the bone. <laughs> it's great. They were fire. And now that said, I also like uh, gospel Elvis. Oh, yeah. I grew up on that. Right. I mean, there's I the, grew up on the. He's gospel got Elvis. many, many albums. Of course, I like the He Touched Me one, which is not a great title now. No, it's not really a good title. I don't think it was a good title then. Uh, it's just <laughs> yeah, not a good title, period. <laughs> but you hear how relaxed he is and how much fun he's having just with that quartet. Well, it was just like him singing, you know, at, at home with his grandmother yeah. and his mom, you know. That's yeah. what that was. For it's just Elvis. like Aaron Water for him. Yeah. It's just beautiful. That's where it comes from. And you had a kind of a gospel album that you put out. Oh, yeah. My yeah. first record's called My Gospel. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'm a spiritual man. You know, I believe that it's alive and well, and I don't know what it is, who it is, white, black, gay, straight, woman, male. I don't know what God is, but yeah. there's something. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think it's peace and beauty and stillness, and I try to let that be a thread, a common thread within my music. Yep. And try to let people allow themselves to look for the light in things rather yes. than the hate and the opposition of everything and being against the grain, which that causes progress. I understand. But at the same time, you got to just sometimes smell the roses. Yes. Yes. You know? Well, we're, we're, you're speaking my language now, yeah, Paul. For sure. <laughs> we're on the same track. <laughs> cool. uh, that's absolutely true. And, uh, and the first song in your new album, Holy Ghost Fire, I mean, yeah. gosh, that's a real banger right yeah, there. Yeah, man, thanks. That uh, brings it. We bring in, we brought in a, uh, it's almost like Snake Charming. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. It's like a Bible-beaten preacher that has sin in his life, too. Yes. You yeah. know, and yeah. like we're all, no matter what kind of coat or what you put on, we're all equal. And yes. we all can have our downs and our ups, and <laughs> we all have emotion and feelings and whether you're in Germany or whether you're in Texas or whether all over the world, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's one common thing I've noticed. Well, yeah, this is a little sideways to that, but you, you ever get into watching televangelists? Oh yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's amazing. It's crazy. <laughs> it is. It's, it's like it'll scare. It's the best acting in the world. It's, like uh, and a lot of things is what I want to say. <laughs> it's yeah. some of the best acting you'll it's, ever see. It's great acting. You can tell grift is going on. Everybody has to be a little bit in on it. Oh, they you all know. know. They got the hands clasped in prayer and the oh, dollar yeah. bill hiding in between it. Exactly. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's phenomenal. I yeah. get sucked in, not to the point where I'm sending Dude, in the cash. Benny Hill, Benny Hinn, whatever, do you know that guy? No. Benny Hill? No. The guy that just shakes him in the head and like throws old ladies down on the stage, <laughs> says that he's healing, and these ladies yeah. are limping off the stage. Like, ow. <laughs> like, I don't know if they're healed, man. I think he just broke, broke, broke Gladys's hip. <laughs> yeah. Have you been watching The Righteous Gemstones at all? No. What is that? Oh, it's a new show on HBO. All about that kind of stuff. Okay, oh, I'm going to get like in. It. Righteous like Gemstones. It. Yeah, you'll I'm like gonna, it. <laughs> definitely. I'm going to put that in my phone. <laughs> yep, put it in there. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. Talking about, you mentioned that there's an influence. You like visual art. You like thinking about that kind of thing. And I was struck by how the videos uh, that you've put out with this album also tell the story. 
Yeah. And they're so uh, beautifully done. Thank you so much. It's uh, almost like different uh, into the multiverse mm-hmm. uh, with different aspects of your personality or different identities yeah. coming out. Exactly. It's kind of, it's my bipolar. Uh, you know, <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. It's like... Uh, it's got to come in handy at some point. Oh, right? it does. You just got to lean into it, you know, <laughs> and just embrace it. But, um, man, I just got with a bunch of creatives that, um, directors that... Would just come over and we'd have a bottle of wine and we'd just sit there and just bring stuff out of the air and just start talking about a, you know, like I said, that fire hell breathing preacher that was lusting after beautiful women and, you know, couldn't help help himself and was stealing money from the collection plate. Yep. That's what Holy Ghost Fire is kind of that old <laughs> that whole thing. Uh-huh. And then, uh, you know, Cocaine Country Dancing is about you know some somebody struggling with a vice and. Uh, you know, a mechanical bull operator that has a a drug drug fueled dream, and he rides this mechanical bull that's named Eight Ball that throws everybody off because when everybody does an eight ball of coke, <laughs> you're going to get thrown to the ground and yeah. it's going to get bad and it just gets dark. So I wanted to show that in in, in a funny comedic way. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then prayed for rain. We did a uh, we did a black and white, real pretty. Uh, film that is just about uh, a man passing away and the son learning from the lessons from his father and taking over the ranch and taking care of things and doing the same things his dad did and learning from the the good and the positive from his father yeah and uh trying to become a man you yeah know? so you just... got that real honest streak to it and then as you said you got a little bit of that humor in there yeah through all yeah, of it just lifts you if through. you can't laugh at it what are we doing no <laughs> I know, and I feel like you know people have talked about it, and you've said it. But this this wide range of influences that you have there, it's almost like you pick up a little uh, Carla Blay song at the end of the uh, Holy Ghost yeah. one. You get a little bit of that boop 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 yeah. thing coming in from song sung long or whatever that yeah. is, and you get a little maybe Mad World in there. One thing I'm thinking, <laughs> what is this? It's almost like Law and Order happening on oh, some of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard anybody say that. That's great. <laughs> It's a it's a beautiful well, mix you. of the thing, and that's what I think contributes to the contemporariness of it. Sometimes you put on a country album or something, and you think, "Well, okay, sounds it's timeless." Like, yeah. Or it sounds like this is in a slightly different era, or yeah. trying too hard to be contemporary. Older, yeah, yeah. Or, or contemporary. Yeah. One or the other, right? I understand. It's like roots are pop, and uh, but this thing is like unto itself a beautiful record. Yeah, well, with really great you. great music. Appreciate um, it. And this, uh, as we kind of alluded to, it was uh, created in a way that is not uh, unfamiliar to me and that I started this whole thing following a pretty bad breakup and then I had to just, you know, make something happen. You had a tough time and then you you went into this, what, a kind of a... Kind of a frenzy. I was kind of manic songwriting and I was just totally immersed into my music and I was kind of probably not... The funnest human to be around. Yeah, um, I was very. I kind of. I'm not an introvert by any means, but during that time, I was. Yep. This is and when you're in the hotel room in the or hotel leading up to room okay. and just being totally consumed with my guitar and my lyrics and words and pieces of paper everywhere, just scattered, just living out of one suitcase and all my stuff's in a garage at my buddy's house and yeah. Like, just nothing that is on the walls is mine, and nothing. It's just a hotel, you know. It's just only the music. And only that, yourself, the music. Your thoughts and the music. That was the only thing. So um, and there was a grand piano downstairs that I would wake up the other. 
people staying at the hotel at yeah. four in the morning. They would never tell me to stop, though. Well, that's good. <laughs> You're talented, so yeah, luckily. So that, that was good. You but picked one up night, something one from... One night, some little old lady comes down the stairs. Do they have music on? And I was like, it's just live. She's like, I thought I heard music. I was like, it's me, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'll keep it down. She said, oh, that's fine. I was like, okay. <laughs> she didn't even know she was in her nightgown. I yeah. mean, she just kind of... I walked down there thinking she was at home. She was in a bit of a dream. A bit of a dream. <laughs> yes. Uh, Gladys, put your clothes on. And now, uh, did, did uh, Al, what was the guy's name? Al Fuller? Al Fuller. Did he ever so, uh, she, uh, succeed? Did he live long enough? Man, I don't th- he did not. He passed. Um, but, I mean, he had that booming bass. Yeah. Like the lowest singer in the church. And so. <laughs> Who was he, it? Did Tennessee Ernie Ford? He had a low voice, too. Oh, didn't he? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That guy How about great. the guys from the Statler Brothers? Yeah. That is low. They'll rumble, like shake your soul. Yeah, well, that's what it's intended to do, mm-hmm. isn't it? My goodness. Um, and so, But you don't miss the hotel. No. I go back. I've, I haven't slept in that room, yeah. and I never will again. Yeah. But uh, I, uh, I go back a lot. My buddy Jordan Ford owns it, and we go to Cowboys games and watch football and um, we'll go and we'll throw some parties there and we'll do after parties and, you know, during the release of the record, we did a party and it's been just, you know, it's really cool. It's a good, uh, nucleus of arts, good hub for people to be creative and, yeah. and talk shop and put their phones down, look each other in the eye and have conversations yes. rather than seeing what's on Instagram or, you know, people are actually wondering how you're doing. Right. You know, they're not just on Instagram or whatever, you know. Just scrolling through just life. scrolling through life. Yes. You know? But I tell you, that's an Instagram-worthy shirt you have on. Oh, well, thank By you. By the way, a couple of eagles yeah, on the shoulders. A couple of eagles on the shoulders. Ready um, to grab something. Yeah. Yeah. E-L-Y is the brand, Ely. Oh. And uh, they hooked me up with some shirts. Man. So I thank you, Ely. Yeah, we thank them. Now, uh, are you going to be on tour? Yeah, I'm. Okay. I leave here. I go home for one day to pack, wash my clothes, and then I fly out to Tucson. We got a West Coast tour. Man, it's pretty heavy, but we're selling it out. All these shows are selling out, so it's the first time I've ever experienced that in my life. Yeah. So I'm and excited. you've been getting some on uh, TVs and stuff too, right? <clears throat> yeah, we've been. We got some placements on American Gods, and they did yeah. some stuff with uh, Game of Thrones and. You know, uh, just my music has been on the SEC network for college football. And it's just been cool. People are hitting me there. up and just been like, dude, I'm watching the Alabama game and your song's on. <laughs> like, like, yeah, man, I play music and try and make money anywhere I can. That's how you have to do it. Yeah, just hustle, hustle, hustle. So I've got a good publishing team and I've got a whole crew together and we're all, we're all, uh, we're all kind of working together and try to make it happen you know yeah watch well, it's, it's uh, phenomenal so far well, thank, I gotta, you, so thank much. you for the music um i'm really glad you could spend some time with me in man, this warm this room. has been my pleasure man. <laughs> you're, you're good to talk to you well know? good maybe we'll see each other again um congratulations uh, on all the success and continued success with the album yeah. and uh, people should look at what the website to get the tour yeah, dates just check out stuff. room 41 the and, record and uh you know paulcoffinmusic.com Yep. And find me on Instagram, Facebook, or any of those things. However you do it. However you do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> it's it's your own traveling church now, isn't traveling it? Traveling church. You know, my 
my ministry takes place in venues and bars and clubs all over the world, and my granddad's was behind uh, behind the pulpit. Yep. You know, he was stationary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, continue with the great good work that you're doing. Thanks, Paul. Hey, thank you so much. There we go. My grandfather always appreciated a sermon that got the job done and didn't last longer than it had to. I feel that way about this episode. Paul and I were on the same page despite never having met right from the get-go. Some good stories, some keen insights. Who knew we'd end up talking about Hello, Dolly? America is a strange and wild place, and talents like Paul are what make this moment so exciting. Please do catch him while he's on tour if you can, or uh, buy the album. You'll appreciate it as the nights get longer and everything seems to race away from us at a faster and faster pace. Because we have time, I would like to play uh, a track from Paul's new album, Room 41. This is called Holy Ghost Fire.
Holy Ghost Fire, available on Room 41, the new album from Paul Cawthon. Do uh, check it out. My goodness, isn't it something? Friends, that does it for us this week. Till next time, remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is independently produced and performed by James Bewley, Season 12 podcast icon illustrated by Lars Litaru. Deep Night Season 12 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the episode provided by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm. Production studio space provided by Harvest Works in New York City. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts and listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Thanks for listening. And this season, I encourage you to leave your portals open.